This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process, and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services, and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you uplevel your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a hundred different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With Uplevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com backslash Uplevel. You are now tuned in to the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 28 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and this episode is full of amazing insights from Nick Carroll, Director of Sales and Business Development at RTM Business Group. We talk about everything from how he got started in sales, first as an intern, then at a startup, how he took that opportunity and role as an individual contributor, and his passion for learning really propelled him, his willingness to take risks and speak up and take chances have now put Nick in a position where he's leading the team over at RTM and doubling the team and doing amazing things. Nick has a great mindset about the sales game as a whole, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview. It's absolutely awesome, but if you got to get back to your desk. You don't have the full 45 minutes to listen to the podcast right now. I am going to serve up a snack break sales tip from Nick Carroll about spicing up the intro on a cold call. Check it out. Nick, what is a sales tip that these sales folks out here can go back to their desk and use right away? So, I feel like, I feel like there's, there's so many that come to mind, but if you phrase it in that way and something that if somebody stopped listening to this and picked up the phone and could do, yeah, I would 100% say spice up the intro. And I'm going to tell you how, and I'm going to explain why it's important. And this is, I credit most of my success when I first started to this. So by spice up the intro, you got to get out of the, hey, James, how are you? It's Nick Carroll over at RTM. How are you doing today? Well, I'm good. It's a sunny day in, in New York. Glad we have the time to speak today or glad I caught you. I might as well just pop on the line and be like, hey, James, this is Nick Carroll on a recorded cold call. How are you? Like, you're just, yeah. you're just announcing it. So yeah. what I would do on my calls, and I call it rapport bait. So people, I'd be like, hey, James, this is Nick over at RTM. Like, hey, Nick, how are you? And, you know, you know, I'm a Philly guy, so I got to use this example. I almost got fired for saying this too much. But in January of last year, I'd be like, I, you know, I'm a Super Bowl champion, so it's not a, not a bad day to be alive. <laughs> like those years finally paid off. So first, the how. It needs to be an interesting kind of story or tale, and it needs to end open-ended. I couldn't finish it with it. Do you like football, James? Because now we're back to cheesy sales. You got to let it sit and do exactly what you said. 
kind of marinate in that silence for a mm-hmm. bit. And yep. I don't know if this is true across all industries, but for the industries that I work in and I deal with CEOs and VPs of sales, I was batting at least 75% real stat that they would interact with that. Like, oh man, I'm a giant's guy. And we would have this back and forth. Yep. And it was so incredibly valuable. So to take that to why it's valuable, first and foremost, I call it rapport bait because let's say that 25% strikes, which is rare where they're just like, okay, what's up? You don't lose anything. You know, yeah. there's no loss, maybe a minor little bit of loss of respect, but at the end of the day, it actually gives you a really good read about your prospect. Sure. Um, yep. On the prior though, you have this back and forth and make sure that you then take control back of the talk track and go into your pitch. Don't run with this for years and then have them be like, all right, man, like this has been a great football chat, but what's up? But when you go into it, some really important stuff happens. First and foremost, your chances of an early call brush off get minimalized a ton. So mm-hmm. there's a very, you know, we're humans. How, how weird would it be for us to talk about football back and forth for a minute? And then you'd be like, hi, Nick. Well, I'm calling from the sales developer. I'm like, you know what, James, just send me an email. <laughs> like that, yeah. would, that would be the weirdest conversation ever. It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. So you're actually going to get engagement in the beginning of the call. If they're not the right person, the data that you're going to get from them is going to be very important, which is going to raise that lead up the prospecting pyramid because yep. they're actually gonna get real data. They're actually going to hear you out and truly listen. Um, if no one's read Pitch Anything by Oren Klopp, I can't recommend it enough. That book is awesome. And he talks about how there's two parts of the brain, the one that actually listens and analyzes, and then the other side, which is just like, am I in danger? Mm. And that small part of the brain is where conversations start. It's, you know, are you selling me something? What's up? And this mm. rapport bait can break you out of that. Because once you break them out of that, they're actually listening. They're actually thinking, could this software help me? Could this value proposition actually help me? If not me, who else in my organization? Yeah. So value you get from that is that you get to write the right to enter the cold call and get a true result. There it is, folks, an amazing snack break sales tip from Nick Carroll that you can literally go back to your desk and use right now. So have a great rest of your day. Listen when you can. And if you're sticking with me, I'm assuming you have a minute. So we're going to dive into another mindful minute from the mindful sales rep himself, Keith Cordero. Take a listen. Hey, everyone. It's Keith Cordero with another Mindful Minute brought to you by the Mindful Sales Rep. Today, I want to talk about fear. So much of our suffering, both individually and collectively, is caused by fear. It could be something as universal as fear of the unknown or something more specific like fear of not hitting your numbers at the end of the quarter. Regardless of the source, Fear gains power whenever we leave the present moment and begin to imagine these bad things developing in the future, like pain, loss, and grief. For today's meditation, take one thing that is worrying you. Close your hands as you inhale to embrace it, and then open your hands as you exhale to release. Notice the moment that your fear and worry have left your hands, no matter how brief it seems. If you feel worried or fearful during your day, exhale and slowly open your hands. Good luck. All right, guys, we're ready to kick this thing off with Nick Carroll, episode 28 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Let's go. Very excited about my guest for episode number 28 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Nick Carroll has joined me. We're going to dive right into it. Nick is somebody who I've connected with on LinkedIn. This guy, he's got real frontline experience as an individual contributor, 
He's now leading a team and just really excited for him to come on the show and, and share his experiences. So, so Nick, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you having me. Obviously a busy time for both of us. So I think we've been doing some, some wild scheduling. I feel like I was in SDR chasing you for a bit, but I'm glad we <laughs> finally got it on the books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. You realize when you become an SDR or, or do that type of work, you realize how many times you use that skill set in your life, tracking somebody down, trying to lock in an appointment. I think that's one of the things that I noticed kind of right away when I got into it. But uh, happy that we're here. Nick, talk to us about how you got started in sales and, and kind of how your journey has taken you to, to where you are today. Sure. I mean, I feel like looking back at it, my, my path was pretty smooth in retrospect. If you, if you go all the way back to the beginning, I had, I feel like, a, a childhood that prepped me for sales. So my parents, two of the most incredible people, most hardworking people, right off the get-go, I, I kind of grew up with that mindset of, you know, not that standard work hard, but do better than the person next to you. Like that was always my dad's motto. Like, I don't care if I'm washing dishes. I don't care if I'm stuffing envelopes. If there's someone to the left and someone to the right of me, like I'm doing more than that person. And that's kind of something that's always been ingrained with me. Yeah. Um, and then it moves into like, we're also one of the most competitive families you will ever meet. And it's not like against like, be better than the neighbors or my brother's a doctor. I need to be a lawyer. It's more like stupid competition. Like my girlfriend and, and bless her soul for staying with me for eight years has openly voiced that she has no interest in playing board games with my family anymore <laughs> because it's, it's not like a family gathering where we're having fun. It's cutthroat. Like we're out for blood and we're out to win. So right off the bat, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to work harder than anyone. I'm, I want to compete. Like that's just sales. And I feel like I had, two big breaks that got me where I am today. The first one was junior year of college. My dad, he was an independent insurance broker and he was at a renewal meeting and he saw the owner of a, a kind of a venture capital group that had stake in one of the companies and saw this guy was really good. He was on his game, just a real hustler, doing big things. And my dad, being the legendary SDR that he is, went <laughs> up and, and fought for a meeting for me and was like, you got to meet my son. And the guy was like, no, like, I don't need that. Don't need an intern. Like, my dad was like, no, like, you got to meet my son. And he booked the meeting for me and I got it. And uh, Chad Byers, the managing partner over at Symmetrical Investments, brought me on. And it was the most incredible internship, which opened my eyes to the power of networking and just made me fall in love with the relationship side of business. Always knew I wanted to do business. I was a finance major, but it was that internship that showed me how much I love the idea of the power of relationships, building them and what that can translate. And part of that internship, one of his businesses was the Pennsylvania Liquor License Company. It's hmm. a brokerage for liquor licenses where you cold call to get these deals. And that's what I was doing a lot of the days. So I got experience ripping hundreds of dials. It was wildly successful and wildly successful in college terms. So not like big, big money, but like for a kid at Temple University, it was yeah. big, big money. Um, and I just, after that point, I knew I was doing sales. So you fast forward to my graduation um, my girlfriend, she got a job in New York. So I was like, I guess I'm going to New York. I had to leave Philadelphia behind. Wasn't something I was looking forward to. Uh, but my dad stepped up junior year internship. My mom actually got me hooked up um, for an interview at this job through a friend who was doing recruiting for them at RTM. Um, and RTM was the second important break for me. Walking into it, the owners of the company, Kimberly Sun and Kieran Byrne, 
they both are just wildly successful, incredible salespeople. That's their background. I'm sure, you know, working at the sales developer, it's a similar story of them founding the company. Like, hey, we're crushing it in sales. Like, we should build a company. And so right off the bat, I'm getting this really intimate training experience one-on-one with both of these experienced, incredible salespeople. They're some of the most selfless people with their time. And they, they really took a care, like their family to be now, but they really cared about my development. So they're both also very different sales styles, which is perfect. So I'm just cherry picking things here and there, um, getting better. And then about a year and a half in, I sat them down. I said, listen, I've done X, Y, and Z with our process. It's clearly working. I want a shot to run the team. And I'm sitting there about 24 year old looking at them in the eyes. And I will always give them the most incredible amount of credit that they gave me the green light. They obviously built a structure and a process for me to thrive in with a lack of experience, but just set me up to run, fall, pick me back up, get me going again. Um, and that's where it's gotten to today. We started with three people. We're now eight. We're hiring another seven. Um, and it's, it wouldn't have been possible without those two not only guiding me in my sales, but giving me the runway to learn. And they continue to give me that. So it's two big breaks, and it, it's been a fun ride. And you know, if you're in New York and you're looking for a job, feel free to drop me a note because we, we need people yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, that sounds like a great place to be for a salesperson. I mean, whew, uh, what more <clears throat> can you really ask for is, is the ability to – I mean, there's so many things about that. Just that last part that I like is you obviously felt like you – could speak up and look them in the eye and say, Hey, I want a chance to lead this team based on the work that you had done so far. And then, yeah, I mean, I just think that not enough organizations give folks that type of runway. They say they do, but I don't think they really do because for you to be sitting here years later and have grown the team and now are doubling the team, that means that you are now in a much different place than you were when you started. Yep. The only way that happens is through the failing and the trying and them picking you back up and guiding you along the way. And so as I'm thinking about this, it's, it's kind of like um, for anybody that, that's looking for a place where, where they feel like they can grow, I mean, this sounds like that place. I mean, it's just, I, I, I think one of the things that intrigues me about it is that more and more I've, I've met people that have kind of found that type of company, maybe even on their first job, maybe it, like it's their first job out of college. And it's run by folks who have a background in sales and they understand what it really takes to be successful in sales. I've been thinking about this so much. It's, it's the patience. It's the patience to build something and then run it and let it, let it run and maybe not work a hundred percent of the time and then be willing to go back and look at it and fix it. So what was that journey like from beginning Nick, right? Where it's, I know I want to do this. I know I've been crushing it as an individual contributor and, and doing all I can to help the business move forward to now you're, you're doubling the team. So what, what was that process like, man? 
crazy exciting, a roller coaster and awesome. And like anything, everything that I want in a job, like I, I couldn't imagine a job where I just came in, you know, I started the year, I, I knew exactly how the year was going to end. I knew exactly what my paycheck was going to look like. That just wouldn't work for me. Um, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you, if you look at sales and you draw a parallel to other positions or other departments and you look at managing let's look at like accounting so you have a new accountant come in he can work on a document he can fill it out and before it gets submitted to a client it can get checked by the manager and fixed so when it gets sent to that final end user you know it's good even though the process was started and mainly executed by the new person there's that way for you to come in as the hero manager fix everything up and ship it up and as beautiful as it is yeah and as a as a manager, especially of SDRs, you have to sit there and listen to them talk to potentially a golden prospect, <laughs> hear them say something that you're just like, don't recommend it, but you don't, you know, you can't just jump in and save the day. You're not going to barge in on the line and be like, hold up, you know, Nick Carroll, sales manager here. Let me fix this up. So you got to hear it happen. You got to know that that opportunity was shipped off to the client, not as good as it probably should have. And yeah. then you learn from it. Um, and I think that's something that they allowed me to do. I mean, the journey, there was so much learning throughout the process. One of my favorite lessons that I learned from it is that my life wasn't ending as much as I thought it was. Mm. So there was a lot of meetings when I first started, I'd be sat across from Kim or Kieran and be like, we're toast. It's over. <laughs> and it would, and looking back on it, it was a Tuesday afternoon, but yeah. you know, <laughs> it's your first experience dealing with that. Yeah. That's, you know, something I really try to do, and I think we both, I see a lot of um, interaction with you on LinkedIn with the mindful sales rep. I yeah. think it's, it's one of the most powerful things. After you go through that experience and you look back on it and then you're now on another high, you need to mindfully look back and say, remember how you felt that Monday after work and you felt like there was no way out of this hole. And now you feel like this is going to be a billion dollar business yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And that's, that's a powerful kind of mindset that you can control. So that was really the biggest lesson in the journey, I feel like, is just, you know, actually learning every step of the way. And to learn, you have to be mindful and conscious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, I, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, I wish that I had found this idea of being mindful and, and present way earlier in my sales career, because this if you're not careful, you can become a very anxious and stressed out person when you're yep. in sales. And, and, and it's, it's so easy because it's almost from the outside, I feel like people are like, duh, you're, you're calling people all day that don't want to talk to you and getting hung up on, or you're relying on somebody's word that they said they, <laughs> they are going to be ready to talk to you in four months. And, and basing some sort of business strategy off of that kind of thing. And, but the truth is, is the real key is just showing up every day and being present and working through whatever happens. I was thinking about it this week. So with cold calling, something just as simple as cold calling, there's been times in my career where I went through really weird phases where I did not want to do it and, and avoided it at like all costs. I would focus on sending a bunch of emails or I mean, just whatever I could do to not have to get on the phone. And in those times, I was way too inside of my own mind about it. 
way too tied to outcomes, way too tied to like getting, setting a meeting, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> set a meeting or I'm going to, I'm going to, when I was a full cycle rep, you know, I'm going to close them on this call. This call is going to be the one. And, and it wasn't even just my own mind. It was sometimes the way that I was being like led to, to conduct myself. And, and at the time I thought that's what it was. I thought that's what, and, and I didn't, I mean, I enjoyed parts of it, right? Like everybody and myself included, I'm glad that we're getting away from the 1980s way of treating <laughs> salespeople and coaching salespeople with like fear and close them now, get them on the phone, sign on the line, that kind of stuff. But I'll be honest, it's, it was exhilarating to, to kind of have that mindset for a little bit when I first started in, in inside sales. Yeah, I want to get somebody in, you know, I had a couple of times where I closed somebody on a first call, like a cold call. And I was so pumped about it. I was so jacked up every time it happened. But the truth is those customers like ordered one time and never <laughs> ordered again. And it actually cost us money because we sent it with free shipping or whatever we did, you know? So like those times where I felt like, yeah, I'm the best salesman and this is what sales is about. It was really like costing the company money and, and not building a good relationship whatsoever. It was almost a waste of time as sure. I look back at it. And so, yeah, I'm all about, look, detach yourself from the outcome that you are, um, your goal is to go and find out as much information as you can yep. about the prospect, about the proposal that you're presenting, you know, whatever stage you're at, it's, it's so important to, to be present because that brings me back to kind of the theme that I want to, that I've kind of just identified is through your entire journey, the first internship, it was, the thing that you took away from it, you know, the impression, the feeling was like learning. It's all yep. about learning. The lessons that I learned from this were this, and this is how I got here. You know, there's no way that you're gonna ever really get too far if you don't have that mindset. And I think that's why you've been so successful, Nick. And, and congratulations on figuring this thing out way earlier than a lot of folks do, because it's, I've had, I've realized it just in the last few years, to be completely honest with you. I, and then now I've had mentors tell me learning is the key. Like whatever you do next, go make sure that you can learn something. Exactly. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. So something I do, and this may not be, you know, relevant across all industries, but when a new hire comes in, I draw a graph on the whiteboard and it's a graph, there's volume on the y-axis and there's quality on the x-axis. And it obviously goes slants down. You know, yeah. the more quality that you have on a cold call, the less volume you're going to get out because there's a lot of prep that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And I circle the peak at the volume. So we're getting a ton of volume, but not a lot of quality. I say, these people are typically above average reps. I then go all the way to the bottom to where it's quality, low volume. I circle, I say, these people typically don't make it. And then I circle a little bit above the middle towards the volume. I say, this is where you want to be because at the end of the day, there's one variable that all of your preparation in the world isn't going to prep you for. It's, are they going to pick up the phone? 
And there's also the second aspect of it of, listen, even if they pick up the phone, if you caught them right after you caught me right after the Philadelphia Eagles just choked their win on (laughs) goal, it's not going to be a good time to tell me about your enterprise sales platform. Right. So there's a aspect of it as well. So I, I, I kind of teach my reps, listen, when you're sourcing and you're prospecting before you actually go into those prospecting activities, make sure you have all the data you need so that you can quickly deliver a high quality call, but don't be called on perfect quality. I think the way that I helped myself be able to kind of call as aggressively as I did, I'm a very like ones and zeros guy. So that was actually a little bit of an adjustment for me with sales because it's not totally ones and zeros. I, I don't want to say if it's science or art, I don't, I don't need yeah. the LinkedIn mob coming <laughs> after me one way or the other. But at the end of the day, my parallel to sales is blackjack. Do you, do you play blackjack? Yes. So blackjack, there's perfect strategy, right? And even when you play perfect strategy, you're probably going to lose more than you win. But at least in the long run, you give your chance of best chance of winning. So that's all I'm trying to do with my team is teach them perfect strategy and help them detach from the outcome. Listen, if you stay on an 18 against the five and that dealer flips a bunch of cards and throws a 21, you don't go beat yourself up about how you played that hand. So why, when you went through the perfect sales process, you did everything right. And the guy told you he didn't have any budget. You're coming to me like, hey, man, my pitch is off. Your pitch isn't off. You did everything right. And if you replicate that multiple times, you're going to have success. So I feel like that's the mindset I try to put in my team. And I feel like one of the other parallels between the two is, and I think we've all been there, you're at the casino and some idiot sits next to you and plays the worst strategy in the world and wins big, you know? And then you're sitting there across, you know, playing your conservative strategy. You're like, am I doing this wrong? Yeah. And it's the same thing on the sales floor. <laughs> the idiot that sits next to you and just starts doing everything wrong, but it doesn't negate the fact that there's luck in sales and he starts winning yeah. and you start thinking, should I do that? And just like the casino to the sales floor, that's usually the loudest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know what? They're always going to be chirping. I, I broke the code. I hacked it. And you yeah. know what? Just like gambling, you didn't hack it. It's math. You didn't hack it in sales either. You're on a lucky spree. I'm happy for you, but it's the most <laughs> dangerous trap for new hires. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so funny you bring this up because I was, I was speaking to a couple of guys yesterday about this, that what typically happens is when you get hired, you typically, you know, if you're hungry for it and, and want to do well, you'll have like a initial spike and you'll kill it. I mean, I've, it's exactly what you're talking about. That new rep comes in and you've been doing the process for a while and maybe you're even in a slump, right? And maybe you're just kind of hitting one of the, and then yeah, the new guy comes in and he's all doing things a little bit differently or, 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 uh, you know, off of what you're doing and, and just completely knocks it out of the park. Yeah. It, it messes with your mind for sure. And I think, what a better way. I mean, that analogy is so perfect because it's like the strategy that you, I mean, just go forward with that perfect strategy and don't worry about anything else. I think the biggest problem is though, is that in a lot of companies with all of this kind of growth startups and, and all of the wonderful stuff that's happening, it's, I don't know if people have a process they trust enough to, to, to put, I mean, I know I've been at companies where I've been like, mm, I'm not too sure what we're doing is the right thing. <laughs> so if somebody comes to me and says my pitch is off, 
he may be right. You know what sure. I mean? And so I think uh, that has to be like a foundational pillar before you go and hire SDRs and hire a bunch of AEs. You have to almost have that as the backbone because you're, if you can bring people in and say, follow this line and this line will will get you to where we want you to be where you want to be and along the way we'll we'll handle whatever comes that is a great scenario for a salesperson on the flip yeah. side you hire somebody and say well we're kind of figuring this thing out as we go and this is what we think you should be able to do. Nobody's ever done it, but try it out, you know? Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're a business and you're in the situation of the latter, you're just too early to get salespeople. You should get task people. Like, if you don't know your process, I'm not gonna hire a salesperson. I'm gonna hire an assistant to send out a thousand emails to set me pitches so I can figure out that process. Yep. You know, yep. you have someone come in and say, here's the playbook. And this will give you success. There's ways that you can make it better. But yeah. if you do this and execute it day in and day out, you will be successful. You're not ready for salespeople. And that's why when my team members start, I always say, listen, I want to be the opposite of a micromanager, but I will micromanage you for the first three months. And it's not because I want to do it. Quite frankly, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to do it, mm -hmm. but I know this job and I know what you need to be successful. And it's exactly what you said. I need to just drill home that foundation of our process. And this, this is what I learned from my experience because, you know, like you said, something that's great about my company is that the door was always open for Kim and Kieran. And they probably regretted that when I started every day, <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Hey guys, I got this new sales strategy. It's about to change the game. Like, should we start looking for more office space? Cause this company is about to blow up, you know, like yeah. every day just through the moon, they had to be like, great idea, Nick but stick to this. And then once you learn it, you can add. And you know what, by the time I got done three months, 80% of my ideas were dumb, 20% of them were good and they stuck. But that's what I tell my team. I say, listen, keep a notepad of all of your ideas. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about them and you have the chance to execute them on the, but the first three months, I need you to just get this process. Yeah. If there's any part of this process that you feel unconfident about, that you feel like isn't yielding results, talk to me about it. Let's debate it. I want, I want to invite that open dialogue because I think you can agree as well as you just said, James, there's nothing worse than being forced into a sales activity that you have zero trust in delivering results. It's the worst feeling in the world because if it's prospecting work, it's the grit. It's the tough things you got to push through and yeah. no one wants to push through something they have zero confidence in. So I think as a manager, it's important that you openly invite that dialogue. I always say people, please challenge me on the process. Mm -hmm. I welcome it because one, it's going to make you feel better about it and, yeah. and it's going to help you sell better. And two, I'm not a you know, massive ego over here. Like if you beat me, we'll change it. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd be surprised if you beat me two months into the role and I've been doing this for three years now, but I'm not throwing that out as a neck, like it cannot happen. So yeah. it just leads to reps being more bought in, which makes it easier to do the grit work, which is needed to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you made a great point along with that rigid process. There has to be that open door policy. Yep. There has to be because then, then you're, because you're always going to, even if it's a great process and you have, it all figured out, you know, and, and you know what you're doing. There's always going to be the people who are like, mm, this feels weird because 
what I've found out is like even kind of drilling down to something like a, a cold call script, like it doesn't feel right. A good cold call script feels real weird because it, it, you're, you're doing things that you kind of normally wouldn't do in a conversation. You're trying to like pause and elicit a response and, and things like that. And so um, that's what I tell folks that are kind of just getting into to getting used to following a process and reading a script. It's like, it's supposed to feel weird. Yep. And then, and then what you find out is if you can, if you have the willpower to not fall back into a normal conversation mode and you can stick to the script, it's almost like if you have that willpower, you'll start to see that it's like, instead of saying, X, Y, Z, like I might normally start a conversation like, hey, what's up? What's going on? You know, and you say this and then you wait. Then you get that answer, you know, so and then you keep going and, and, and um, but you have to have the willpower to kind of move through that weird tension. Um, and, and the only way that you have that willpower is by being able to debate it offline, right? When you yep. are doing it and it just feels weird for an entire week and you're like, this isn't working, I'm off, I need to vent about it. I think just like you said, just having that opportunity to debate it is so important because you don't feel like a robot because you're not a robot. Um, I think yeah. the best part about a sales professional who has been trained in this way and then does it for long enough to where then they just become, you know, that natural sales ability starts just developing over time. Then you've got somebody who is, uh, that person could literally do anything they wanted to in life, in my opinion, because they're able to easily take in information very quickly from a script or whatever and, and translate it and make it happen and execute on it. But they've developed that skill of like, okay, I can also ad lib and um, respond in a way that's going to, you know, have, move us to where this conversation needs to go. So I think that's such a great point, man. And, and um, I wanted to talk about something that you actually mentioned at the very beginning, which was this idea of if there's somebody sitting to the left of you or the right of you that you're just going to try and do better than the next person. And I think that is, that is something that that's like a character trait that every great salesperson I know has. And it was a character trait that I like, it was the only reason I liked my first sales job. I didn't like what I was selling. I didn't, you know, there were lots of things about it that I didn't like, but I did like the fact that if I worked harder, longer, smarter than the next person, I could make more money than that person. So, you know, as you're developing this team, talk about how that kind of plays into to, um, how you're coaching these folks. Cause I mean, not everybody's like that. Yeah. Um, and it kind of has to be a natural thing. So I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that was an interesting observation that you made. I think it's kind of a, um, a thread that goes through every great salesperson. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it comes down to the culture of the team that you build. Um, and something that I am so proud of our team for is that I don't feel the need to do a compliment sandwich to my team. Like, I don't need to be like, hey, James, 
Love the intro. Absolutely incredible. But the way you close budget, like you actually need to do it way more intense. But let's circle back to that middle, how great of a pitch. Like that to me is just a wasted process. And there's a lack of respect and trust between you and your team. If you feel the need to do a compliment sandwich. So don't get me wrong. I don't like, I'm not just sitting there shooting insults at everybody left and right. And we're all good. You know, there needs to be a lot of positivity, but you know, for instance, something we've done on our team, which is awesome. We've changed the dynamic of call training. So rather than, you know, people being like, who wants to submit their call to do a team call training? Everyone's like, ah, I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to get, we've, we've created this dynamic where we call them roasts. And we just try to roast the person on the phone and it's hilarious, but it's actionable. And now I'm getting like, everybody use my call, use my call. Like people want their call on the docket and we'll be like, you know, we'll be in the, the recording. We'll listen to it. They'll say something wrong. We'll pause. We'll be like, are you kidding me? Like we'll crack up. And like, it's just fun. Like you can wow. change the dynamic of how a team runs and something that is historically and in some places seen as this kind of intrusive you know, breakdown of your skills, it, they know it's not that because of the culture and the dynamic that we have on this team. We know that we're all just trying to get better. And yeah. that's why as well, when you go back to working harder than the other people, I mean, at the end of the day, a process, like something that I hold very true to my heart is like, I have a, a kind of a management map that I always keep up on my computer. And the first part of it is, is this rep hitting their numbers? And if it goes to the yes side of the tree, there's only one block after that. And that's how can I help you? And I'm okay if that help is, I want to hit this number easier. Uh, I, you know what I mean? Like, I hope that's not the case. And I'm proud to say no one on my team is like that. But why has sales become this thing where if someone's hitting their numbers, which if you're setting real numbers and not BS sales numbers that are impossible to hit, if those numbers are good for the company, this person's consistently hitting it and they just want to come in and hit that number and call it a day and that's happy for them that should be happy for you. Yeah. Now, most of the time, the how can I help you is like, how do I take, go to the next level of income? And that's, those are the people I, I like a little bit more, but at the same <laughs> token, I'm not going to grill somebody. They say, listen, I'm hitting my numbers 12 out of 12 months. I'm chilling. I love yep. what I'm making. I love the, everything about this. Like help me do this with less work. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about the other side of it. It just breaks it down. Very ones and zeros. Like I said, is it about the quantity of the conversations or is it about the quality of the conversations? Cause that's usually your first indicator. And if it's the quantity, we have to just be a little bit more micromanagey on the KPIs. And if you have a good culture, people are like, I appreciate that. Nick, I appreciate you nagging me for the next two weeks to keep me honest. Um, and I think, you know, to answer your question, it just needs to be transparency of the process and the goal and a culture where enforcing that process and that goal is not seen as you coming down on them, but just being like, Hey, you know, this is the path to success. We've confirmed that this is the path to success. This is where you're, you're kind of missing the mark. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to culture and the interactions you can have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that, man. I love that you guys have turned, you know, something like a, uh, calling, you know, a recorded session, listening group to, to something that's a roast and, and, uh, you know, makes it fun. I mean, it's that easy to kind of flip it and just let's not take ourselves too seriously here. Exactly. No, nobody, nobody, uh, is perfect. And, and I think that's so valuable, man. So no wonder you guys are having such a good time over there. So Nick, what is a sales tip that these sales folks out here can go back to their desk and use right away? So 
I feel like, I feel like there's, there's so many that come to mind, but if you phrase it in that way and something that if somebody stopped listening to this and picked up the phone and could do, yeah, I would a hundred percent say spice up the intro and I'm going to tell you how, and I'm going to explain why it's important at the end. And this is, I credit most of my success when I first started to this. So by spice up the intro, you got to get out of the, Hey, James, how are you? It's Nick Carroll over at RTM. How are you doing today? Well, I'm good. It's a sunny day in, in New York. Glad we have the time to speak today or glad I caught you. I might as well just pop on the line and be like, hey, James, this is Nick Carroll on a recorded cold call. How are you? Like, you're just, yeah. you're just announcing it. So yeah. what I would do on my calls, and I call it rapport bait. So people, I'd be like, hey, James, this is Nick over at RTM. Like, hey, Nick, how are you? And, you know, you know I'm a Philly guy, so I got to use this example. I almost got fired for saying this too much. But in January of last year, I'd be like, I, you know, I'm a Super Bowl champion, so it's not a, not a bad day to be alive. <laughs> like those years finally paid off. So first, the how. It needs to be an interesting kind of story or tale, and it needs to end open-ended. I couldn't finish it with it. Do you like football, James? Because now we're back to cheesy sales. You got to let it sit and do exactly what you said, kind of marinate in that silence for mm-hmm. a bit. And yep. I don't know if this is true across all industries, but for the industries that I work in and I deal with CEOs and VPs of sales, I was batting at least 75% real stat that they would interact with that. Like, oh man, I'm a Giants guy. And we would have this back and forth. Yep. And it was so incredibly valuable. So to take that to why it's valuable, first and foremost, I call it rapport bait because let's say that 25% strikes, which is rare where they're just like, okay, what's up? You don't lose anything. You know, yeah. there's no loss, maybe a minor little bit of loss of respect, but at the end of the day, it actually gives you a really good read about your prospect. Sure. Um, yep. On the prior though, you have this back and forth and make sure that you then take control back of the talk track and go into your pitch. Don't run with this for years and then have them be like, all right, man, like this has been a great football chat, but what's up? But when you go into it, some really important stuff happens. First and foremost, your chances of an early call brush off get minimalized a ton. So mm-hmm. there's a very, you know, we're humans. How, how weird would it be for us to talk about football back and forth for a minute? And then you'd be like, hi, Nick. Well, I'm calling from the sales developer. I'm like, you know what, James, just send me an email. <laughs> like, that, yeah. would, that would be the weirdest conversation ever. It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. So you're actually going to get engagement in the beginning of the call. If they're not the right person, the data that you're going to get from them is going to be very important, which is going to raise that lead up the prospecting pyramid because yeah. they're actually going to get real data. They're actually going to hear you out and truly listen. Um, if no one's read Pitch Anything by Oren Klopp, I can't recommend it enough. That book is awesome. And he talks about how there's two parts of the brain, the one that actually listens and analyzes, and then the other side, which is just like, am I in danger? Mm. And that small part of the brain is where conversations start. It's, you know, are you selling me something? What's up? And this mm. rapport bait can break you out of that. Because once you break them out of that, they're actually listening. They're actually thinking, could this software help me? Could this value proposition actually help me? If not me, who else in my organization? Yeah. So, value you get from that is that you get to write the right to enter the cold call and get a true result. I don't count a true result of someone saying, you know, just send me an email, hang up, or, you know, I'm not interested, hang up. That's not a true result. But if you, if they take the rapport bait, which they do 75% of the time and you have a back and forth, you will then get a true result of the call, which will lead to a meeting. It will lead to quality data, or it will lead to a full pitch, whatever is the outcome that you're striving for at your organization. Yeah. And it's so easy and it's so effective. And it's, it's the one thing that I feel like just absolutely helped maximize my success. I just got more at bats because I was doing it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely fantastic tip that these folks can go back to their desks and use. And, and I think it's like we talked about earlier, it's that pattern interrupt and, and just cutting the tension and just trying to become a human 
faster exactly. than they can hang up on you, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Nick, I think we've uh, covered so much, man, and 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 you really you really have such a great mindset about this game. And, and I think you've obviously benefited from great leadership, but you've also benefited from the, the way that you've chosen. I mean, because you could give somebody the same exact path that didn't have this mindset of learning and taking, you know, actually not just learning, but then taking that and using it and putting it into action. I mean, you know, you could take somebody that, doesn't do any of that and they're in a much different place so I think just keep keep on doing what you're doing you're on fire man and I think it's it's kind of easy to tell that so I I really appreciate you coming on but but before we end I have to ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the show Nick what is your favorite place to eat lunch Listen, everything I said about sales beforehand is not anywhere important as this tip if you're in New York 39th and Broadway, there is a halal truck mm. on, on the southwest corner. It is, it almost seems wrong to call it halal. Like it just, because it, it gets them bucketed with a lot of other trucks which they don't deserve. It's grade A, it's huh. $6. It's the best thing that you could ever imagine. If anyone's listening to this and in New York, it's on me. Drop me a <laughs> line. I would happily open your eyes to what you've been missing. <laughs> I love it, man. No, yeah, that, that, might be one of my most favorite answers because food off of a truck and not one of these trendy new food truck. The, yeah, the one off 39th. I love it, man. I love it, Nick. So how can people get in touch with you and, and continue to learn from you, man? Yeah, I think, you know, connecting on LinkedIn is definitely the easiest. If you got something direct, you know, ncarol at rtmbusinessgroup.com. But, you know, LinkedIn's, I read my messages and I'm always on that platform. So that's usually the easiest way. Hey, thanks again. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 28 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.